Welcome, friends, to our podcast, Arise, My Darling. My name is Andrea, and I am joined by my very sweet friend, Liz. We want this to be a space that encourages and invites you to become more aware of the ways that God is constantly pursuing you. To awaken you to be on the lookout for sweet kisses our Lord sends you each day, because you have ravished His heart. So snuggle in and get ready for epic adventures, unexplainable friendship, and an abundance of joy. Hello, darlings, and welcome back for another episode. We're excited to continue on this Romans journey with you. We're kind of in a crescendo. We're reaching reaching the end, um, which is really exciting. But how are you doing, Andrea? I am doing pretty well doing pretty well. Spring continues to not disappoint because it is so gorgeous. Like every day, I feel like the red buds get more vibrant and I'm so thankful for that. But I've also had a really great week, which I'll talk more about during my sweet kiss. But this has been a really, really good week for me. So Miss Liz, you were out of town at home again this weekend. How was that? It was wonderful. I got to see my brother Gabe play in a baseball game and they ended up winning, which is super exciting. And my other brother, Isaac, in his senior musical, they did Tarzan and he played Kerchak. And he was so good. He was so good. (laughs) He did so well. And it was just so nice to see a live performance. Absolutely. I hadn't seen a live performance since uh, August. There was like an outdoor performance that I went to, but so yeah. it was just nice to be in a theater and to see all of them. And I have a special place in my heart for Tarzan. Amen. Um, Amen. We did that together. I was the stage manager and you were Jane. So I was yeah. Jane. It, yeah, it was, it was, it was just fun. And it was a good weekend. My team director also came home with me and it was just fun to see him interact with my family. I was telling Andrea, I feel very loved. I've realized I feel very loved when people desire to enter into my family and just to see me in my natural habitat of my family (laughs) is very loving because I love my family. So I love that they get to experience something that I love so much. Amen. Amen. Well, yes, we are starting to get into the last few verses of Romans 12. Uh, we've got a few weeks left here, but today we are just focusing on Romans 12:14. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. So is that your first response when people <laughs> persecute you to bless them? Of course it is. Of course it is. Yeah. You're a missionary. Of course it is. Bless you. Bless. (laughs) No, no, of course not. I think it's definitely gotten better. It's gotten better, but um, it's definitely been something I had to really grow in because no, when people persecute you, you're like, okay, I'm coming back at you. (laughs) That's right. That is, that is is not the invitation. Amen. Amen. And it is the natural response. And, uh, You know, as Liz and I have talked uh, over and over, we see this growing crescendo throughout Romans 12, particularly in how they are building on one another. And so some of the things we talked about early on, to not conform to the pattern of this world. I mean, that just shows up, boom, right here. (laughs) The pattern of this world is if somebody says something negative or pushes back at you, that is often our first response to want to push back at them. And as we've been journeying through this, we've seen all these different types of transformations that God is calling us to, that God wants to do in our lives. But this one feels 
really hard, like really hard. This feels somehow we've gone into deeper waters now where I know over the years of ministry that I've done and the people I've interacted with, when I get into places of persecution, it can be very personal. It can start to feel very personal. Have you had some of those experiences, Liz? Oh, yeah. It's really, it's very easy to take things personally when people start attacking you or they, yeah, they just, they start telling you all the things that you're doing wrong or all the things they don't agree with or how stupid some of your ideas are. It it is very easy to be like, oh my gosh, maybe I am stupid. Maybe I do have bad <laughs> ideas. And, and to really just start doubting, just start doubting everything. Um, yeah. And I think it's why we said that, that this part of Romans is kind of like the 400 level class. Exactly. These are like the advanced skills. And you get to this by first starting with shocker your interior relationship with Jesus but bef- like before we can get to a point where we're blessing those who persecute us i think we have to like take it back a step and start with seeing this play out in our own lives um so seeing the ways well that we as sinners as broken people where how we persecute Jesus and the ways that he blesses us and does not curse us in return because it's only then when we see how Jesus responds to our persecutions to him, will we be able to respond like Christ to those that persecute us. We have to start with ourselves and then allow our hearts to break for our own sinfulness, for our own brokenness in the way that Christ's heart breaks for our sinfulness, right? When we do things that are against him, when we choose things that are bad and that he tells us not to do whenever we kind of spit in his face and are like, what you don't know, you don't know. I know best. And so I'm going to do what I want. Um, He doesn't, he's not mad at us. He doesn't yell at us, but instead he cries, his heart breaks. Yeah. Because he looks at you and he's like, you don't know what you're missing, right? You don't know. You don't know what you're saying no to. You actually want all of these things that you're rejecting right now. You just don't know it yet. Yeah. Yeah. And yet I know my natural inclination is not that, (laughs) particularly if I haven't spent that time reflecting on those things. And I think I said to Liz early on that I always learn something from her when we do these podcasts. And some of these things I really do wish had been uh, better foundations for my years in ministry. Because I think I was always just trying to choose what was right. Like, okay, God says don't curse him, but everything in me wants to curse him right now. So I'm going to choose. And that there's some merit to that. There's a, a, a beauty in making a choice to believe God for what he says and actively obeying. But I think there's mercy in that idea of just sitting in the reality of, look, I'm I'm persecuting Jesus and he's blessing me. And so how do I sit in that and let that transform me so that I can offer that to the people who persecute me. Um, That's a much kinder way to come at uh, an act of obedience uh, instead of just kind of pushing through it or muscling through it. But I also like what you said that Christ responds in a sadness. And I know my natural inclination when I'm opposed or someone accuses me of something, particularly if someone doesn't see my heart, if they accuse me of something that's not in my heart, that that becomes personal, um, that my inclination is anger. 
I don't mm-hmm. run to sadness very quickly. And when you're angry, cursing is so easy. <laughs> so easy. <laughs> and I, I never want to vilify anger. There's a place for anger in our lives. Um, mm-hmm. But I do believe that that simple practice of really thinking about the ways that we are persecuting Christ takes the edge off that anger and helps us move into sadness a lot faster. And sadness allows us to not take it personally. I think that is an important key that it stops becoming personal. I know uh, this journey I've had with the rosary and really meditating on the passion and thinking several times a week about Jesus literally being scourged and, you know, walking through uh, his way to the cross has allowed for a deeper reflection on all that Christ has not only done for us, but the ways that he wasn't just persecuted, but I have persecuted him. Like it's helped me make that connection a lot faster. Mm -hmm. And so the, the rosary has been a very practical tool because I'm reflecting so often on the journey of Christ to connect me with my heart so that sadness is a lot, it's a lot quicker to get to sadness rather than just stew in anger and feel like my rights have been violated or that person doesn't understand, or I don't know. Uh, I've been really thankful for that. It's been transformative. Yeah. I, I think I like what you said at the very end of listening to you, like say like my rights have been violated and I deserve this and right this like, I think sometimes we think that we're being persecuted and we're actually not. Like we make things personal when they're probably not. Yeah. We're like, oh, well, they're just saying that because fill in the blank. And I think that that comes from a place of, yeah, this very um, selfish outlook onto the world of everything revolves around you and it's all about you. And so when we sit in that space, it's really easy to make everything about us and to be like, everybody's persecuting me. Everybody's like attacking me, going against me. That's just, it's not the case. Not saying that persecution does not happen because it does. But I think that there's a, a, there's a very good turning point here of not taking everything so personal. And I totally had to learn this as a missionary very quickly because I was taking a lot of things very personally in the beginning. And yeah, just like thinking about myself and making everything about me. And there was just this point in prayer, this shift happening. And um, my, I remember my team director talking to me and he's like, Liz, when you are interacting with this person, are you treating them with as much kindness as you can? Are you speaking truth? And are you seeing them? Are you trying to be present with them and seeing them? And he's like, if the answer is yes to all of those things, then you can't, like, you can't control how they respond to it. That it probably isn't personal. What's happening is they probably feel attacked in some way. They probably feel uncomfortable with something that you are either offering to them verbally or you're offering to them through your actions, through the way that you're living. And they, they hit this tension, this tension of, I think I recognize that that is good. And what I am doing is, is less or is somehow distorted or something. I see that it needs to shift, that something that I'm doing needs to shift. And I see this model that's being presented to me of what, what I could be, how I could be living. But I'm not ready to live in the way that 
this person is inviting me into. I'm not ready to change. I don't want to stop yeah. drinking. I don't want to pursue excellence. I don't want to stop. You know what I mean? The the yeah. things that have to change in order for us to like live these lives that are more like Christ. And so what ends up happening is we start fighting it and we start going against it. And we start, we start poking at it because we, we keep hoping that we'll somehow see a flaw in this thing that we recognize to be good because they want a reason to justify the way that they've been living. They want to get to a point where they can just say, see, see what I was doing wasn't that bad. Even though everybody thought it was bad and I thought it was bad. See, look, because this thing that is good isn't as good now that I have attacked it and I've somehow destroyed it. But what happens when things are truth, right? When things are of God, you can push at it all you want, but it's not going to budge. It's going to continue to be good. And it's going to continue to be attractive. And it's going to continue to pull you in until you get to the point where you're like, I have to change. Like I have to, I have to shift. And so when we start to see things in that light, it just becomes easier to not take things so personally when people go against you because of your beliefs, right? Persecution is hostility and ill treatment, typically because of your beliefs, because of religious beliefs. And so if they're coming at you for something that you believe in, for truth that you're living out, it's not you. (laughs) They recognize the truth and they're not ready to oftentimes to live in it yet. And so they just start attacking and they start treating you poorly because they don't know what else to do, right? It's It's like this defense mode that people shift into. Yeah, they do. And Jesus actually talks about it. I think this relates to the scripture that says, do not cast your pearls before swine or they will turn and tear you to pieces. And, you know, we don't want to around, go around calling people swine. <laughs> but the truth is, is people can only handle so much truth sometimes. When somebody starts pushing back, there's a reason for that. Like it has overwhelmed them somehow and they need a break or they need some time or they've got to reconcile some things in their heart. And it isn't kind for us to just keep coming at those people uh, with that, even though we know ultimately it's good, we have to also meter this truth out with where people are at and how they're responding, how much they can take in at any given time, because we don't know the full story, right? We don't, we don't know what we're hitting in that person and why they're pushing back, why they feel the need to go on the attack. Um, and so there is some benefit of when we feel persecuted to go back to God, not only with maybe how that hurt or the sadness associated with that so that we can offer a blessing, but also to just ask God, like, is there something else I need to be doing here? You know, Mm -hmm. do I need to give this person a gift rather than talk more specifically about your death on the cross? Like, is there another way to care for this person um, that allows the message of love and dignity and care and the kindness of God to be communicated? Or do I just need to give them space? I, I, I just, mm-hmm. I think we can use persecution as kind of a uh, yellow flashing light that says, all right, let's slow down and rethink what's happening here to be able to love that person in a way that they can better receive it. Um, 
And I think that's what it means to bless. I mean, how do you define that? Like, if you're going to bless somebody who's persecuting, how do you do that? What does that look like? I think it's getting, not getting caught in the emotion of the persecution and turning it back into, well, you, and like, right, coming back at them. Um, And instead taking it, just like Jesus took it on the cross, he just, he didn't say anything. Like he was silent, right? They kept, they kept jeering at him. They kept hitting him and probing him and poking at him. And he, he just stood there. And every once in a while, he would just like send these truth bombs out (laughs) of, right? (laughs) My kingdom is not here. If it was, the people would be standing here with me, supporting me, right? Like just like little things and that he would like continue to like speak truth, but he didn't play into any of the emotion of it. And I think that that is like the big thing is he responded so differently than what was expected of him in that moment. And I think that that is what, that's what catches people off guard. They're like, okay, I'm poking and I'm jeering and I'm attacking this person and they're just taking it. Why? Like why? Right? Like that is going to lead people to greater conversion of heart than anything that you could like yell back at them or talk badly about them. Like that is not going to do anything. You're just going to stay on the same level. Whereas not responding or just, just being like, I sense that maybe we should change the conversation or let's talk about this later. Or, you know, Jesus loves you. Um, Right. Just like saying like these like truthful things and responding differently, blessing them. I think that that's what that means is just not getting caught up in the emotion of it and, and being in the heat of it with people. um, But instead saying less. (laughs) And that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Saying less. Yeah, I'll be honest. I just appreciate it when someone speaks to the elephant in the room. I mean, when the conversation gets to that really uncomfortable space to just simply acknowledge it and be like, okay, this feels like this has gotten really hard right now. So there's a diffusing, I think, a de-escalating that we can offer as a blessing to people. Um, I have definitely fallen for the trap, but also seen it play out many times where people ramp up the energy and start to have this like pretty intense argument about what is truth and, oh, you didn't understand what I meant. This is what I meant. These are my definitions. Like it can become this intellectual thing because the truth is, is that hearts have been hurt and bruised. And now it turns into this like war of words often. Whereas I think to pursue a de-escalation type of response in the midst of persecution uh, is very wise. And, and I like what you're mm-hmm. saying in terms of not allow it to be a wounding conversation, but rather mm-hmm. um, just be like, okay, you know, all right, let's step back. It's okay. And I think that requires a faith that God is in control and is still orchestrating. I forget that <laughs> when I'm being persecuted, I think, where are you, Jesus? Where, where have you gone? <laughs> Clearly I'm all alone here. And that's not true. That's not true. Um, God is still orchestrating uh, on our behalf and for this other person, because I think you're right, Liz, the, the response we have in that situation might be more important than the answers that we're offering in the situation Amen. that Amen. this person needs to see how, 
they can disagree with you and you will still hold them in a space of dignity and care and love. Absolutely. Um, that that might be the more transformative act than all the words you're using is just creating and committing yourself to creating safe spaces for that person. Because I, I know for me and, and other people that I've worked with insecurity is a lot of the reason I have stayed away from the things of God. Um, just fear, just outright fear. And until I experienced believers who treated me with a care that I had not seen elsewhere, I wasn't really going to listen to their message. Like I needed to know people saw my heart before I really cared about what they believed or their interpretation of scripture or whatever it was. Like I needed the care before I was able to enter into some of the um, mental elements of receiving the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot about the, just the state of our country, the state of the world that we live in, it's just really easy to, to curse. I just see a lot of, a lot of, people responding with anger, coming at you with anger and people responding with anger. And it doesn't solve anything. It doesn't solve anything. I remember having a conversation with a student and she was talking to me about all the injustice that was happening in the church and the ways that people were being persecuted for their race or their beliefs in certain areas. And she was just getting so fired up about it. It just made her so mad. And she's like, I don't know how I can... I don't know how I can be a part of a church that allows like that this persecution is happening to these like people, but the response, the, the passion turned into anger um, towards the people and turned into this desire to just to fix it. Like there had to be a solution that she, that, that was being missed that we could just fix it. And um, it's just not that easy. It's not that easy because all persecution comes from brokenness. It comes from our fallen nature. It comes from this need for Jesus that is not being fulfilled in our hearts. And so as much as we think that there's like this easy solution of, well, if we just come back and we're just as aggressive on the, the people that are being persecuted, is if we're just as aggressive for justice, because we need justice, because we've been persecuted, that we'll just fix everything and everything will be better but it just won't. There will always be more persecution. There will always be brokenness. And it's like the only way things can change is for people to fall in love with Jesus. That's the only way. That's the only way that it'll shift. And when you see it that way, when you just see the brokenness of people and when they're attacking you, you just have the heart of the unconditional the, the father that has this unconditional love, the heart of Jesus that stares at everybody that's spitting at him while he hangs on the cross. When you can see people through those eyes, they're wrestling with it. They're fighting it, right? Because if they weren't, if there was just indifference, if they didn't care, they wouldn't persecute you. They're struggling with this. They're wrestling with this or else they wouldn't say anything. And so when they start to persecute you, they're actually probably pretty close to a conversion. Like they're probably getting to this point where there's like, it's going to be this turnover. And so actually seeing it as blessing them in that moment of like, okay, Jesus, 
they're kind of missing the point here, but I see that they're wrestling with this. And I see that they see that something is not right here. And so just lead them to the truth, lead them to you and don't let them rely on themselves to fix this problem, but let them see that the only way that these things can be healed, these places can be fixed is through you and through a relationship with you. Yeah, that's really well said. I really like that making that turn because the truth is when somebody starts to persecute you, they're telling you what they care about. They're often pushing back about the thing that they're stumbling over the hardest and it mm-hmm. can give direction to how you pray. Um, it can help you be more sensitive to that area. It can help you go back and do your own research. Like, you know, sometimes we're yeah. operating in a space of ignorance and we yeah. need to, we need to receive that as an opportunity to grow ourselves in whether it's understanding it, an area of life or, just being more sensitive to where that person is at and the things that are, that really matter to them because we all have different value systems and different hot buttons. And and so it can give direction to how we not only care for that person, but how we pray for them and how we love them right where they're at. So yeah, that's, that's really good. Yep. Remember the foundations, ladies and gentlemen, remember (laughs) we're all created for relationship with Jesus. And when you're, when you're quick to, start cursing your neighbor, turn into your own heart and, and look at the areas of your own heart that you are persecuting Jesus. If you feel persecuted, look at the ways that you are cursing Jesus. If you feel like you're being cursed and start with changing our own hearts and allowing our own hearts to be transformed because it'll just help with perspective. You just won't get as, (laughs) you won't get as frazzled and frustrated and angry with others because you see that they're broken just like you. Yeah. No, that's beautiful. Amen. So Miss Liz, do you have some sweet kisses for us this week? Just one or two, maybe five? <laughs> just one or two, five, six. <laughs> some sweet kisses. Mm. <laughs> this one just happened this morning. And I, I know I talk about Father Justice a lot, who's our priest, our <laughs> old priest here. He's just so cute. And we were just pulling out of the driveway for a holy hour. And my holy hour was hard. Sometimes prayer is just hard. And Sometimes. it's just dry. And you're like, Jesus, <laughs> this is hard. And we were pulling out of the parking lot. And Father Justice had been on a morning walk. And he had his little page boy hat on. And he just walked, <laughs> was on the sidewalk. And he just kind of crouched down and waved at us with his toothy grin. And he just is so darn cute. And it was like Jesus being like, it's okay. It's okay. It's going to be okay. I know it's hard. I know prayer has been dry and it's been hard, but it's going to be okay. So That's it was just, just a little sweet kiss. You know, Jesus, me and my love for old people. He just <laughs> likes to it remind me that so. he's <laughs> he's listening and it's 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 all good, but... Yeah, that was just a, it was something small, but it just it made me smile and laugh. So what about you, Andrea? Well, yesterday I had some just wonderful spiritual direction. And afterwards, I, I had decided to walk there. And as I was walking back, I mean, the day was so glorious, like the sun, the breeze. And so I, I grabbed some amazing barbecue. I had the most amazing barbecue yesterday. I just need to put that out there. And I was sitting up on this upper deck and it was one of those moments where I just, 
stopped being somewhere else and was trying to actively be totally present. Mm -hmm. And so I allowed all five of my senses and that's, that's the best way I can do that. Be actively present is to kind of check in on all five of my senses. So I'm eating the most amazing barbecue. So, okay, that's, that's the first sense. Right. But then I'm also smelling the roaster. So like the smoke from the barbecue is like wafting over me and Mm -hmm. the breeze is just perfect temperature. And then they have this, like some, some great 70, 80s music going on (laughs) in this little balcony. So my ears are very happy. And visually the sun was just hitting the red buds in such a way. And all of the little petals are starting to fall off some of the flowering trees. So they're kind of, they're getting in my food, but not in an irritating way, kind of in a really sweet way. Um, And so just to sit completely immersed in all five of my senses was such a gift, was such a gift. And I, I don't do that enough. And I, I'm literally on sabbatical. So it really should be kind of the first (laughs) thing I do every day is just sit in all five of my senses, because I think God wants to come to us in that way more than we realize. We're a very visual society. And so we tend to just see things, but uh, I think it's more available to us and it goes deeper and it creates a more vibrant memory when we use all five of our senses. And so, yeah, it was just a really sweet moment. And I realized I don't have anywhere I need to be right now. So I could just Mm kind of hang out here for a while and really enjoy this and let it go deep. And so it felt really good. felt really good. It was refreshing. And I felt the kindness of God rush over me as I reflected on some of the really amazing things that happened this last week. So also, uh, my husband was in town and we celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary and and he made us t-shirts. And so that was really, (laughs) (laughs) and cheesy. I know it's just great though. Really cute little shirts and our kids just loved it. Uh, so, but it was a great, it was a great time with my husband too. And it is truly amazing that I've been married 30 years. I, I can't even, believe that's actually true. And we got a lot of, a lot of people like just thanked us for being married 30 years. They're like, it feels rare nowadays, which is mm, a sadness <laughs> in yeah. our culture, but also it was good to rejoice. It was good to rejoice together about it. So amen. amen. So Miss Liz, will you take us out with our verse this week, please? Yes. Our darlings, remember that your lover, your savior, he comes to you and he says, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come with me.